0: Welcome back to Real Presence Live, coming to you from the Grand Cities. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you today. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll begin our Straight Talk segment. That number is 877-795-0122. And we love to be able to visit with you and to receive your questions on the air. If you uh, would prefer to leave a question on our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio, uh, feel free to do that. And we are looking forward to hearing from you. So we were just talking about uh, in the first half hour here, Father Leffer, the importance of the sacrament of holy matrimony and how this is going to be really a, a leaven that uh, um, uh, builds up uh, society. And uh, the, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, in addition to the National Marriage Week that uh, is about to begin, they have a website called foryourmarriage.org that uh, has a lot of uh, helpful content, and I think it's good for us to continue to remind people of that, to, to go to that for your Marriage dot o-r-g
1: you know, and, and we, we sit here and we and definitely want to promote these resources to help marriage. It's, it's so important. I don't know if there's anything more important we can fight for. You know, outside of life, you know, because it is the building block of, of all things. But you know, like you mentioned earlier in the segment about how we can only see the negative or kind of down or whatever that, and, and I just realized, you know, um, as priests, it's so important for us to to reach out and to give just encouragement to those couples that we see making the sacrifices and the efforts and to let them know like what a shining example, not just to us but to other families and so forth. I I was had a conversation with a young woman last night, um and, and she was sharing with me how just recently a priest had reached out and commented what he saw and going on in life and just how it, it was this transformative moment for her, just to hear that word or whatever to that, you know, all these mm-hmm. sacrifices they're worth it, that God is really there yes. and, and, and it's worth fighting for. These it's people. important for us to
0: do that sort of thing. And we know what that sound means. It's time for our Straight Talk segment for the, for today. For the remainder of uh, the hour, up until the top of the next hour, we are going to be uh, receiving your questions. Whatever you have uh, that's on your mind with regard to... Um uh, our church our faith uh, we we encourage you to bring those questions to us 877-795-0122 is the number you can also leave your questions on our facebook page on real presence radio and father leffer i think you've been hearing from some of your friends with uh, some burning questions yeah, of their own
1: yeah we do have a number of questions to get to but you know here for me to get this off not you know yes I mean, you always have to be careful with these things too right like they, they say like when you you go to a family gathering you never what are the rules you never talk about religion you don't mm-hmm. talk about politics or right. money like and, at
0: the Thanksgiving table exactly or, you yeah, know there's right. all these
1: things that, that it's like a hand grenade going off so I'm, I'm risking that at this moment but here we go <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know okay i mean unless you're living under a rock you know in the united states you you can't have missed you know we've been going through the impeachment of our president we had the famous um his address the other night and and state it, of the union state of the union and we had uh you know nancy Pelosi, the the speaker of the house ripping up the talk i mean this huge huge kind of national thing and everybody what it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you fall on you know what political party you belong? I mean, this is touching everybody's lives. Everybody's affected by this. Well, I don't know if people know or are aware of this, but this morning, the National Prayer Breakfast is taking place. Right, the National Prayer Breakfast, where a lot of us are hopeless that our politicians have any religion in them, or this kind of thing. We can get pretty hopeless about it when we, we we're like, well, where, where's our faith? Well, how come you know? But but I was just here. Was what I struck, was struck by. It was being not just a catholic a christian but being in the united states of america there so here are these two could you call them arch rivals for sure president trump and nancy pelosi right and they're and only i don't know maybe only but definitely kind of one thing that makes this unique here we are just in the last couple days they've been battling it out on this national scene and now, this morning, they're both at the quote national prayer breakfast where there was Nancy Pelosi and she was invoking God and, and praying for all those in need. And then here's the present, he comes, and you know, and they're just a couple of feet away from each other. And they you can tell that they, they don't care much. I, I don't, don't want to say, but it doesn't look like they're the best friends. Let's just put it that way, right? Yeah, that's and, fair. And here they are in the United States of America invoking God, the name of the Lord, speaking about the Lord, just a couple feet away from each other. And I'm not judging the thing about whether it's authentic or not or whatever, but I thought, what other nation under God can you do this, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you know, And oftentimes I'll get worked up about maybe when it seems that the government is trying to, you know, pushing away our religious liberties or freedoms or whatever, I get pretty sensitive about that kind of stuff or whatever. But, but on the other hand... I mean, Father Gross, what do you think about this? (laughs) We get to live in a nation where your political enemy, I mean, other nations, they would shoot each other, they would kill each other, they would come and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Here we are, the political rivals, they're sitting feet away from each other, both invoking God and asking his blessing. I, what, what thoughts yeah, does that do yeah. to you?
0: No, that, definitely, that's an important point to bring up, to to look at the, kind of, the positive nature of it, and that it's not just, a, you know, cynical people might say, well, it's, you know, something that is just, you know, baked in, that's, you know, an event that happens year after year. Um, when you mention the National Prayer Breakfast, you know the memory that comes? comes to my mind some 25 years ago when St. Teresa of Calcutta dressed down President and Mrs. Clinton about the harm being done be- by the culture of death uh, in the world. So,
1: Do, do you th- remember the famous quote she said? It, it, it was something like, well, th- there are numerous
0: ones i don 't know if uh, i, I don 't know if it 's from the prayer breakfast, but there 's one that's it 's a poverty that a child should die so that we may live others may live as they wish yes, something yeah. like that you know yeah.
1: and, and again'm I'm, I'm t- risking being political here, but okay, from I heard the President of the United States say the other night at his his address. That he wants our Congress to come up with a law to outlaw partial birth abortion. I mean, mm-hmm. and 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 he, boy, for 47 years, first time somebody came to the pro-life march, and you know, and again, I'm not trying, to, but I'm just saying, as a Christian, as a Catholic priest, that lifted my spirit. You know, it, it just lifted my spirit to say. And again, you can just—is this authentic or not? I don't know. Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. Are we just saying this for political points? I don't know, but. The, to a person who's been in the trenches for years fighting for these things, my gosh. I mean to actually have somebody in that national level mm-hmm. say we need to do this or you know, to have that mother with her daughter who is, right. you know, the premier twenty one weeks and to yeah. survive. I mean, you, you just sit there and you're just like I don't know about you, but that does something to my soul, my Mm -hmm. spirit, and my encouragement, my hope. Right
0: now, now we could talk about the whole kabuki theater kind of nature of an event like the State of the Union, where oh, we just happen to have somebody up in the balcony of the gallery, and you know, let me give their their little sixty second synopsis of their life story and that sort of thing. But what ends up happening is, in, in the polarization politically, at least in the country, is that things that should be universally applauded and yearned for, you know, that the half of the room. Room, no matter who's giving the you know exactly. speech or whatever, half of the room it, yeah. is going to be sitting on their hands and making the "I just sucked on half a lemon" sour <laughs> face, you know, while everybody else is standing up and applauding, you know, with with abandon. It, it, it's just it's, it's quite the spectacle. And,
1: and again, I'm just coming from the perspective of the one, you know, being a Christian in the trenches for years and right. looking for signs of hope or whatever. And, it, and boy, you know, we just cling to these things. It's just like. You know, you just need a pat on the back sometimes for all the efforts you make and so forth. It just... it it felt good. It felt good that it's being acknowledged. And that, yep,
0: there, there, there's point. wind in our sails through you know, continuing events. I think especially of one that's not often spoken about, the Walk for Life West Coast that happens in San Francisco. Now think about the, the vibe that you get from various cities in the United States and for people who are committed to the, the building up of family and the preservation of human life in every stage walking through the streets of downtown San Francisco. And it's grown to the point of tens of thousands. You can imagine and a lot of these faithful folks out in the inner mountain West and the in the West Coast who take that opportunity to to speak out and right going into the belly of the beast, so to speak, yes. you know, with with all of the
1: um, shenanigans that happen in a place like and, the Bay Area, and it's gone up into Canada, in, into Quebec. They they have a Walk for Life up there now as well. So it just right. I mean, how how beautiful is that, right? This is Straight mm-hmm. Talk eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two Father. Gross and I, we stimulate each other. We can go on and on. We and we enjoy doing this, but we would rather hear from you. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Please give us a call with what's on your heart and your minds this morning. So, Father Gross, here we got a text uh, that came in from Angela, and uh, so here's a situation that has to do with baptism. Okay, uh-huh. and they're talking from uh, from an adult perspective. They they say that now they they how can we live as joyful witnesses for infant baptism, especially around our Protestant friends who choose to do dedication services instead of baptism, and they don't believe in infant baptism. Any thoughts on that? Uh, what a beautiful question.
0: Well, one of the first things I think of, and we've been in a rhythm in my parish here where we've had several infant baptisms within a short stretch, whereas, you know, it doesn't tend to happen quite as frequently, and those in rural parishes, I think, could especially attest to that. So there's a real joy in a lot of these smaller parishes when, you know, the little ones are being baptized and people can can join in with that. Think about a couple of examples in Acts of the Apostles with Cornelius, a convert that uh, Simon Peter. Was working with and the jailer in Philippi, who was going to take his life when he uh, discovered the jail cells had been opened after an earthquake. And Paul and Silas stayed behind with the other jailers and said, "You know, listen, we're you know, don't harm yourself. We're here." And in both of those occasions, the head of the household not only said, "Okay, this is my decision and mine alone. I'm going to be baptized," but each one, Cornelius and the jailer in Philippi, advocated for their entire household be baptized. And that was an awareness on their part, not just from the bureaucracy from the top down, on their part that the gift of rebirth in the Holy Spirit, regeneration is so great that it must not be uh, reserved because of any sort of arbitrary standard. You know, if you hit this minimum age or this minimum sort of, uh, you know, a cognitive development, various things like that. But you know to to confer it to everyone in that household and that's one of the big motivations that i see when bat when a baby is baptized in the church
1: you know and one of those things too and i think the questions is maybe coming from you know being a joyful witness how do you do it and and, and so i'll I give a little thing here and i don't know i don't say you'd necessarily use this on the person but for yourself who's being the joyful witness you can think of this it's like okay If God has entrusted this child to me, I bring this child home from from birth or from the hospital, you know, you don't how often do you hear Father Gross and they say, Well, you know, I don't want to impose something on my child and wait till they're like sixteen or eighteen, let them choose for themselves, or Mm -hmm. when they're twelve, if they want to be baptized, they can. And I and my kind of response to that is, No, hold on, wait a minute. You didn't bring that child home from the hospital and put it on the kitchen table and say, Well, one day if that child decides to wear clothes, they can put on some clothes. One day if they decide to go to school, they can go to school if they want to. One day if they decide to eat well they can cook a meal for themselves no 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 the lord has literally entrusted this this body this soul this person you to be responsible, provide for its physical needs, mm-hmm. its emotional needs, psychological, intellectual needs, its spiritual needs as well. Right. And, and if you know that the Savior of the world is Jesus Christ and the way to salvation mm-hmm. is through baptism, why would you deny that to a person who is in the dependence? Exactly.
0: If an, in- if an infant is relying on its parents for virtually everything, how much more so are they relying on God for his blessings and his protection and sanctifying grace? So, straight talk, uh, is the segment that we are currently in the number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. and we have a uh, call on the line here from nancy who is calling from jamestown uh welcome to uh, real presence live
1: good morning and good morning father leper this is nancy connery how are you oh my gosh nancy so great to hear from you boy i'm excited to hear what your question is Well, my question is kind of like a technical question. I love watching, everybody does, if you've been Catholic forever, I love watching the whole consecration and the whole entire ritual. But I have one question. I've heard varying answers as to what it is. Why does the priest break off a tiny piece of the host of the body and place it into the chalice of blood? Can you explain that to me, please? Yes. Okay. So there's there's going to be a couple technical answers on this, and then and then maybe there's some spiritual reasons too that we could kind of opine on. But if we go back to the ancient days, the very beginning, there was was um, initially you know the sacraments and everything started in a very small place, right? from, from the apostles there, uh, you know, uh, around the tomb in the upper room, and then it begins to spread out and so forth. Well. As uh, as churches got established, you'd have what was called station churches, and and so there was always this this emphasis on unity. And so from and as things go out, well, in the beginning, they would the the consecration would take place in one of the main churches, and then there was always this time where part of the the sacred host or consecrated host would be then taken out and commingled to the other station churches where they were having the mass as well as a sign. Of unity is a sign of unity that all the churches are together. There's only one body of Christ. We're all sharing in the same, uh, the same sacred meal of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Then, then as, as as time goes on and as the church spreads, well, it's not physically possible to to continue that anymore. It just you just can't physically do that. But that part of the rite stayed in the mass, and then it kind of took on more of a, a spiritual meaning. It's like the commingling of of the body and and the the blood of, of christ father christ right. what's that little prayer that we priests say when we mm-hmm. when we break that off in the yeah
0: by the mingling of this uh yeah of the body and blood of christ oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> i should have it? brought my no, no, magnificat with fu- me
1: no it's fine the reason i asked you is
0: when i'm in it's something that we say privately and it's not heard by the congregation but when
1: you're in mass it's mm-hmm. always there isn't it you never yes. forget but like mm-hmm. when you just pull it out of context by the mingling body and blood of christ oh my gosh this is terrible we're exposing ourselves <laughs> we, we need to be beaten with wet noodles here yes this. but the, the the point there is that it's it's showing
0: that the bringing to eter- me the mingling of the body and blood of christ bring eternal life to, to us who receive, receive it. it there we go
1: right and, and the idea is it, it's all of christ is not just part of him and so that that sense of unity now takes on this unity of the body and blood of christ for everyone throughout the whole world okay Amen. Is, is that is that helpful nancy Yes, it is. Okay, and so, that, yeah, that, so that answers my question. I appreciate
0: that very much.
1: And, and Nancy, I just want to say, I appreciate your faith. You, you are such an inspiration to so many people, and I know you work behind the scenes on so many things, and, and especially through social media, and you are just a dynamo for the Church, so I am so grateful uh, for you, and also for your parents and your family. So Wonderful. Thank, well, thank, thank you very you much.
0: Very, thank you very much. Have a great day, gentlemen. Thank you, Nancy. Wonderful. Well, we have another question that was left by someone. Uh, they're not currently on the line, but I wanted to address this. This this listener is asking, When I go to Adoration, I've been reading the book of Sirach in the Bible. I find it very inspiring and an excellent guide on patience, friendships, and servitude. Can you tell me more about Sirach, or do you know of a book that I can read to find out more about him? And um, uh, if you want to weigh in uh, in a moment here, Father Leffer, maybe about that, that category of books and the... Uh, you know the um uh, the ones that were not extended to the you know the protestant uh, canon of the bible and that whole dynamic but there is a literary form mostly in the old testament called wisdom literature these um and and it's more than just you know um uh, platitudes or wise sayings. It is basically a roadmap for life and uh, negotiating circumstances of life uh, with an act of faith in God. And I can just give you a little thumbnail sketch of the author. Uh, it's a person who... Um, was the son of a person named Sirach. Uh, It's believed that the book was written about two centuries before the birth of Christ, so it's rather late within salvation history in that uh, Old Testament area. The author, a sage who lived in Jerusalem, was thoroughly imbued with love for the law, the priesthood, the temple, and divine worship. As a wise and experienced observer of life, he addressed himself to his contemporaries with the motive of helping them to maintain religious faith and integrity through of the holy books and through tradition. Now you may be able to tell by the way I was speaking in that last few seconds that I wasn't just pulling that off the top of my head. I was reading directly from an introduction in um, uh, the New American Bible of the Book of Sirach, and that's one of the good places to go at least to get uh, oriented toward him and uh, to, to learn a little bit more about him. But uh, whether it come whether it be uh, Sirach or uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, wisdom. Several of these other books. That's kind of the focus that they have in terms of providing, you know, that practical information to believers. So that's just kind of to get to get you started. Yeah, and on and, that. D-
1: and then to address the 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 second question, they're they're asking, do you know of a book that I can read to find uh, more about him? But I I guess are, I'm kind of hearing that in whoever this person was who left this question it seems that they're attracted to the wisdom literature and so mm-hmm. some of those other wisdom books in the bible like um, the ones that are coming to me right now is proverbs yeah th- this is one like th- i think they say the most quoted book in the world is the bible and the second is shakespeare or something like that and shakespeare quotes the bible within but mm-hmm. but oftentimes the quotes that you get are either from proverbs or the psalms which and you know, which is in the category of wisdom literature. And so, right. I was just going to say, if they're interested in pursuing more, like, take a look at the book of uh, Proverbs as well. And mm-hmm. that's where you get a lot of the famous sayings or quotes that people are mm-hmm. so familiar with, even if you're not really necessarily Christian. Yeah. Well,
0: one of the common denominators in many of those books is a personification of wisdom, uh, in terms of not just some sort of human quality, but to, to exalt wisdom to the point of personifying it. And... Uh, uh, whether it's um, whether it's Proverbs or Sirach, it might be Proverbs chapter eight, but uh, uh, speaking about how wisdom was playing before God as his craftsman and you know uh, witnessing the the creation of the world, you know those there's some beautiful passages. And it also there taught,
1: too. like the seven pillars of wisdom. She's built her house in these seven pillars, and the, we do a lot with that uh, throughout time. And and also one of the one of the names for Christ is Wisdom incarnate. the Mm -hmm. the wisdom incarnate, that that the second person of the Trinity, wisdom is attributed um, to the second person, and wisdom incarnate is the incarnation.
0: In many cases, especially in the Old Testament books, uh, a book may be named after someone, as is the case of of Sirach, but the author intentionally is retreating, you might say, into the background. They don't mean to be uh, a first person, you know, kind of an autobiographical witness, and so there may not be a lot of information uh, to fill in the blanks about who that individual is, but that was sort of on purpose, you might say, so that uh, God may be glorified and that the, the the focus doesn't get deflected from him and, and sent
1: back to ourselves. Okay, we are straight-talking. We're straight-talking at you. We'd <laughs> We're talking be, straight. we whether rather be straight-talking with you. And that number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. 795 795 Okay, Father Gross, a couple of the questions have come in here. And two really good ones, and, and one okay, I'm going to be a little risky here, but i'll I'll bring this one out and let's and i think I think this person is probably like tuning into some of the things that have been going on in the church recently, okay. and so he, here's their question mm-hmm. and it's you know and it's on people's hearts and minds why does God allow incompetent or wicked men to hold positions of power in his church mm-hmm. okay i mean that you know that 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 question kind of cuts right at things, but you know, from,
0: from Judas Iscariot exactly. all the way to the present
1: day, right? You know. So, do you do you have any reflection on that? Or what why would why would Jesus select Judas to be as an apostle? And he surely knew, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen. Do you have Any thoughts on that? Or?
0: Well, you know, when we speak of infallibility or papal infallibility, things like that, that's on a relatively narrow track. But we see that. Uh, God is inviting people into relationship with him and is not going to uh, stamp out or to remove their ability to choose against him. Even, you know, no matter how painful that is, you know, like the pain that David had when Absalom rebelled against him. So other people who rebel, you know, against the church, God is not going to remove that, you know, gene, so to speak, you know. And so people might say, well, why are they being, you know, why, why are they being called in the first place and stuff like that? that um, what I think uh, what the Lord really wants to have prevalent in, in the church is that uh, it is His grace above all that makes uh, these good things happen and that um, we are meant to be those um, earthen vessels uh, which do not have within themselves the power and that's, that's a quote from the second letter of Saint. Paul to the Corinthians and also I think from that same book where G- where uh, uh, St Paul is complaining about a thorn to the fla- a thorn in the flesh and various other problems and And Jesus says something rather mystical in response to him and says, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So it's really a two-edged sword. Some uh, Some of the most prolific people within the church have that very clearly seen humility and those deficiencies, you might say, in one area of life or another, but they surrender themselves to the grace of God to supply what they're lacking in the cases of people who choose not to do that. You know, there you've got problems yeah. because they're taking the place of God. You might say.
1: So you have triggered in me three thoughts. Okay, first eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two for straight talk to be part of this program. Okay, n- number one, it, it's striking at the. So the question here is, why does God allow wicked people to hold positions of power, authority in the church, or deficient people? Right. The okay, I, it makes me think of God Himself and Satan, like. God still holds Satan in existence, even though Satan has ultimately rejected him. That's how we know hell exists. Because it's actually God's love that allows Satan to exist and hell to exist. God does not destroy that which he loves into existence. He loves Satan into existence. Satan rejected him. God still holds him in existence, even though Satan for all of eternity rejects God, rejects his father, rejects the one who created him that 's incredible mystery, but that's that's part of the identity of our God that we know and we worship mm-hmm. uh, the second one, okay, take somebody like Saint augustine I mean w- he started off as a pretty horrible, wicked guy, he did some pretty horrible wicked things he went through conversion, and man, he transformed all of Western society, all Western culture, the the whole church. So there, you know, you got that, too. It's just like, well, okay.
0: And it took until his early 30s to yes. really experience that conversion. No, oh, he
1: went through, He it wasn't like a simple thing. You bet it was. And then the, the third one was here, and this actually, just yesterday, I don't know why, but I saw th- there was a priest uh, early in my life, and he's known publicly now for being a pretty wicked man. He did some very wicked things. And I, I I was reflecting on this, and I was like, well, first of all, how lucky I was that God spared me and I didn't experience His wickedness. And again, that's a mystery. But on the other hand, amazingly, God used Him to inspire me. And a lot of great things in my priesthood are a direct result of this man who was wicked and who is now, he's no longer in position of power authority. authority. Um, and, and I look at that, and that's such a mystery to me, Father Gross. Like mm-hmm. how, I mean, God actually brought good out of that in my life and in my ministry as a priest through this man who did do horrible, wicked things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our,
0: our reflex is to demolish and to leave scorched earth behind, and God is, is always uh, beckoning people, calling them to to to, to experience his love
1: anew. So, and and all, yeah. ultimately it is a mystery right yes yes. It I is. mean we can't clean this up we can't, and, and that's when life is messy things in the church are messy things in marriage are messy things in priesthood are messy and, and we want to consecrate that mess to the Lord and say Lord please bring goodness and St. Paul said for those mm-hmm. who believe all things work for your good, for your salvation. How many things? All things. Yeah. thing.
0: how important it is that people, you know, continue their their prayers and good works. Or you and know, example.
1: we're we're right now we're in the Sermon on the Mount and our Sunday cycle. We just had the Beatitudes last Sunday. And now we'll be going on. But the, you know, blessed are the pure of heart, for mm-hmm. they shall see God. That means, if you're pure of heart, even in the midst of crucifixion, midst of murder, in the midst of horrible things, you still see God. Yeah. I mean, that talk about incredible mystery. Right. I mean th- and that that's pure grace of God because on our human level it's right we're going to do scorched earth so mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: we do have one more uh, question that's being brought to us uh, a, a listener wanted to bring this question and it has to do with the two days in the year where uh, the faithful are called to fasting and abstinence you know these are days that really stand apart throughout the year Ash Wednesday and Good Friday the listener is asking if my birthday falls on Ash Wednesday or Good Friday which it very well may because of you know how those dates rotate or not or vary from year to year, is it wrong to celebrate with cake and dessert and to go get the free meals at restaurants and or, or let's say a wedding anniversary or, or something like that? So
1: you know, this is what I say. You are God's special chosen person at that moment. That's what I have to say because the question is is phrased: Is it wrong? Is it right or wrong? And I, I always say, you know. <laughs> When you approach these things as right or wrong, you're going to end up a loser every time. It, it's better to approach this question of where is the Lord in this? On this particular year, my birthday falls on Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. My anniversary or falls on Ash, you know, Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. What so the thing is What's the bigger thing? I always say, well, where's the Lord? Where's the, well, where is the Lord right there? He, he's in His sorrow, He's in His suffering. And there's this universal um, word that comes down to us that say says, join the Lord in His sorrow in His suffering through, through fasting and penance and prayer at these particular moments. These are very key moments, right? And, and so saying that, say, well, well, okay, where's your relationship with the Lord? Are 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 you interested in being there? Whatever, uh, do you want the Lord's blessing? You want to bless the Lord as well? Okay, I'm the lucky one. This year, my birthday falls on Ash Wednesday. Um, what does the church do, Father Gross, when the feast of the Annunciation falls on Good Friday? What, is, what does she do?
0: It transfers it to the, um, the Monday after the octave of Easter, typically, right? And why does she do that? So that people are not deprived of that celebration. Of
1: the glory, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it takes prece- what takes precedence at that moment is the sorrow. And being with the Lord where he is, and then the yeah. church says, however, mm-hmm. oh, we're all about glory, and we're not going to do that, so, but we we transfer yeah. the feast.
0: Now, the good people at Paradiso may not, you know, give you a mulligan if you come in <laughs> two weeks after <laughs> your birthday, which might be what the listener is thinking about, but in uh, uh, a slightly related thing, you know, these dioceses in Canada and the United States that have a large percentage of Irish uh, Catholics in their population, those years, uh, like every five to six years or whatever, when St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, falls on a Friday in Lent, there's always that question well, what do you do, you know, and then the bishop can kind of, you know, make uh, hay out of that with uh, publicity in terms of granting a dispensation, so I think of that circumstance as well, but yeah, when it comes to birthdays and anniversaries, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of great good that can come about from the sacrifice that we're willing to offer to the you Lord.
1: You know, great point there. Make hay out of it, like, make this an opportunity to evangelize and spread faith and turn it into a positive thing, because it, it, it feels like, you know, I'm being left out or I'm being punished because yeah. my day falls on this right. day, but... You
0: don't to stand on the street corner and wear sackcloth but on the other hand <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: evangelize uh, spread the faith teach use it as a, as a moment to and then and then announce the transfer day of glory <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, right, yes, yes, my party will be celebrated on such and <laughs> such, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like when uh, priests have milestone anniversaries, it may not work to use the actual date of the anniversary, but they'll they'll choose another day, and and, and, and the joy is not less. So, well, thanks to all of those who brought in their questions uh, for Straight Talk today. Up next, anger is often viewed as a negative emotion, but what if we could channel this anger for change and productivity? Then what would happen? Dr. Mario Sacasa will explain, and later in the show, what does the word worthy mean to a husband and father who will be a main speaker at an upcoming women's conference in our listening area? Stay tuned to find out. We're coming to you from Grand Forks and we've got one hour of programming left to go on this episode of Real Presence Live. Please stay with us.